Hello and welcome everybody to a brand new episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way. Yeah, baby. Goes. We're back. True. We are back. Unfortunately, for me personally, it is shit because it's an international break. But England are back. A nice little taste before the World Cup. And a nice little taste to see certain players we've not seen before. Ivan Tony. He's in the England squad. We're going to talk about who is in, who is out. But we'll start with Ivan Tony, Jim. Obviously, we spoke about why we think he should probably go to the World Cup, but these are two big opportunities for him, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. We all had a bit of a um, Ivan Tony wank fest on the last podcast. But you know what? I hold no apologies to that for the masses because he deserved it. And then he rightly so gets the um, the England call-up. And yeah, he's got, he's got two big games. And really, these are the last two friendlies before the tournament kicks off. So you can't imagine Southgate will be deviating too much from his World Cup game plan. He's got to use these games as as a warm-up for the actual tournament itself. Um, and I imagine he's going to pick the similar teams that he's going to start the tournament with. So it'll be very interesting, to for one, to see what Southgate does with his style eleven. And um, two, to see how much game time Ivan Tony actually gets, to see if he's actually got a call up on form or if Southgate's looked at him and thought, yeah, we can actually use him in this tournament. So that would be pretty... Um, Pretty interesting, really. I know it's an international breakup, like you said, and I do usually tend to agree with you that these are a bit boring, especially in this season where the World Cup kind of like just happens a week after the season's been going anyway, so it's not like this, these players need like a week or so to get rid of the rust. But it is interesting as an England fan to see what Southgate is going to do. Obviously not in good form, at least then. So you need to turn it around a little bit. I mean, there's in some poor results of recent. I know they've played some decent teams, but the 4 0 against Hungary comes to mind a little bit. And some of his favourites are out of um, favour. What do you think he's going to do with them players? The, the, the likes of Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw, and even, even, even people like Phil Foden and Mason Mount are really hitting the highs of what they did last time England were together. Um, I think the issue is, um, well, he's, he's almost. Like almost certainly going to play a you know back three or back five, whichever way you look at it. Especially with the amount of midfielders that he's taken, has he only taken four central midfielders or five or something like that? So that kind of gives you the idea that he's not going to pack the midfield with you know three players and have a couple on the bench. He's probably only going to play two and have a few in reserve. So um, and, and why why shouldn't he? Uh, he's got to the semi final of the the World Cup and the final of the of the Euros using. The, you know, predominantly that that formation. I know he has played a four. I think we played a four against Ukraine when we won. But you know, in the main, it's been that three three four three uh, or five, whichever way you look at it. You know, it's the same thing really. Um, but I think the issue that um, the forward players have is that we are very stacked in those positions, especially that the wide positions and, and the area behind the striker. Whereas I think that the reason Maguire, you'd probably say he's counting himself lucky and Luke Shaw as well, is the fact that we're not blessed with central defenders and we're also not blessed with, with left backs. So despite them not playing, um, they're going to be in there because of the fact, like I say, that we've not really got loads to go, lo- you know, other, other options to go with. I mean, after that, you're probably looking at players that, 
um, probably a drop off not only in standard but in terms of caps played for England and, and, and things like that you're going to be dropping down to maybe even less than 10 caps and chucking them into a World Cup squad so uh, that's not going to happen neither of them have let Southgate down especially Maguire two tournaments he's played pretty much every game and after both tournaments everybody's been raving about how good he's how good he's been so there's no reason why he shouldn't go but like you say Foden Mount they're going uh, Jared Bowen's going I know that it's caused a lot of issues with or a lot of I've seen fans of like the lower clubs kicking off that Jared Bowen's going Grealish are going but at the end of the day uh more Grealish than Bowen because I think Bowen's only been in one squad. But you look at Mountford and Grealish; these these players, uh, and they've never let Southgate down. And ultimately, at a tournament, Southgate's shown that he wants players he can trust and players that have done it before for him. And, and those lads, those lads certainly have. I mean, the players that I look at that have been in the squads that aren't, uh, you know, in my biased opinion, are. I'm looking at it from a United point of view. The Sancho and Rashford aren't in there. But again, that comes down to the fact that we are stacked in those forward positions. So England can afford to not have Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford in the squad and still look really blessed in those forward positions. Whereas I think if you take Shaw out of that, Maguire out of that, you're looking really thin in those defensive areas. So I think that's literally it. It's just bodies and uh, players available in those positions. Yeah. And um couple of Stan was saying before about you're Maguire and you're showing in, in kind of positions that maybe England are quite vulnerable in going into the tournament the centre-backs and left-backs. It would be quite a big move to maybe promote the likes of, I don't know, like a, I kind of think he was, would be the third choice left-back, like Tyreek Mitchell maybe, or like a, a yeah. Tamori for the first time, James Justin, yeah, first to put them in competitive games, that would be a big move and you can see why he's opted to choose the people he trusts. Do you think that's why he goes with the five-back and the three-back and do you think that formation suits England? may not necessarily be the most attacking and that's what he's got some criticism for but with the players that are disposed at the back do you think that's right? I, th- I think to to some degree no because I, th- I think I could understand it if he was playing James and Trent and trying to you know work them in somehow and that's the reasoning when we're playing a back five and I'd be like alright fair enough James has to play centre half which he can do and then Trent would be playing as a wing back I could live with that but I think it suits England for some games but I think a back four suits England for some games. It doesn't have to be you have to play this formation all the time. You can just have it up your sleeve. Like you don't like I said, you don't have to be married to the system. You have to be flexible and I hope he is because in recent tournaments he hasn't been and that's what cost us in the final where we scored and we just sat back and the system mm. almost killed us to a degree because everyone just dropped back twenty yards. Excuse me. Yeah. I think I think the pragmatism of that. I mean, that back three for me, you've seen it in the in the World Cup in the Euros. It works really well together. They're all they cover each other's weaknesses, and, and obviously they've all got their own strengths as well in terms of you know Walker's absolutely lightning quick. John Stones, Maguire are really comfortable on the ball. Stones can bring it out. Maguire wins pretty much aerial duel that he ever has. So it's it's a really good blend of that three, and they've shown it in the two tournaments they've had together. So for me, that three picks themselves, and uh, it's about being pragmatic. I think in tournaments, I know international football is a lot slower and a lot more tactical maybe than than what we used to see in week in week out in the Premier League but the fact of the matter is Southgate's like I say predominantly played that back five formation with five defenders and England have got to a semi-final of the World Cup which was the best one for 
well, how but the 30 odd years and the final of the Euros, which we've never got to as a nation before. So I think we've got to stick with it. We've got to back it and hope that this time we can go one step further. We got to a semi, got to extra time, got to a final, got to penalties. That's all we can get to a final and and win it. But, you know, on the flip side, I'm not going to act like Southgate and England have been completely faultless. I do agree with Cook. I think when England were 1-0 up, or at least 1-1, I thought Southgate should have made substitutions earlier, maybe switched away from the back five because that Italian defence looked knackered. I mean, you saw that as soon as Saka came on and knocked it past Chiellini and he pretty much took his top off him. I think if you chuck Rashford, Saka, Sancho, you know, was so blessed in those areas, you chuck them on and ask Italy questions for the last 20 minutes of that, that game, uh, we could have gone on to win it. But Southgate, like Cook said, stuck to his guns. I think he might have made, was it Saka, right at the end of that game or even start of extra time and obviously by that point you're, you're hoping you can do something in two 15-minute periods so hopefully Southgate's learnt from that I think he will have because uh, well we got one step further so he must have learnt from something from the World Cup and uh, hopefully like I say we can go one step further especially with the attacking attacking areas I mean Jim what, why do you think Cook said that I think a lot of people why do you think people might uh, be getting a little bit What's the word? Not pissed off with Southgate, but a little bit lose it, getting a little bit frustrated with him. What, what, do you think it's formation? Do you think it's the fact that you've said that he keeps choosing these personnel despite maybe not warranting it in his squads? Or what, what do you think the reason is? Yeah, I, I think it's um, kind of a blend of both of what you just said there. I think pre, uh, to like preempt this, he's in the kind of a, a poison chalice of a job where I think he even said after the Germany game, um, which England won two 0 and that just that goes kind of swept under the rug a little bit. I mean, England beat Germany two 0 in a knockout game, and that's just unbelievable, really. Um, that he knows if he lost that game, that was it for him for England, and he's probably going into this tournament and the World Cup thinking he loses one knockout game, and that's the last game he'll manage as England manager, and he'll just be sacked for it. I think sometimes fans can be a bit too uh, they can expect a bit too much from international football. Um, it, it is hard when you see the players week in, week out for the club, the likes of Foden and Grealish and all your attackers, Kane. I can I could name all of them and they're so talented now. They're the talented as they've ever been. And then it gets to the international game and it's a bit slower, but ultimately you go back and watch international tournaments and all international successful teams, the great Italy teams, the great Spain team, the great Brazil teams. They're all quite boring. Um they win a lot of games 1-0, don't concede many, and that's what they build on. And that's what England have tried to do, and that's why they've been successful. Um, but this is, I must say, this is the first time in a while I love Southgate, and I think he's been brilliant in both tournaments. I think he's made the right decisions, and I like his squad again. But I'm a bit worried for him for the first time going into this tournament um, because of the recent form. I think he's trying to go away from his back five a little bit. I think he's trying to be a bit more attacking. Um and it's not quite worked out for him. I mean, we talked about being pragmatic, but how pragmatic do England need to be in a group of Iran, USA and Wales? So if England don't dominate them games and look good, it's going to be worrying going into the knockout game. And I mean, I don't, I'm not a pessimistic fan, but I could, I can kind of see this being a bit of a disappointing tournament after the last two highs that we've had. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of do worry from him for the first time since he's been manager. Yeah. Well, let's let's move away there from that and let's talk about who's come in and who's gone. So, 
controversial one, Calvin Phillips, when he went in, obviously he'd only played one minute for City this year. He's gone out, I think, with an injury. Yeah, he's having the shoulder surgery. Yeah, so is he going to miss the tournament? I don't know. Nothing's actually been said, but I think it's like nine weeks now for the first game and having shoulder surgery now, it's obviously needed. I think he's dislocated or something in training, but not ideal, really. Um, again, in a position where if you take Calvin Phillips out, you've got two people there, like realistically, you've got this, Bellingham yeah. and Rice. I mean, I think I think Phillips is very similar in terms of Maguire, in terms that neither of them have really played a lot this year, but they're both in areas of the pitch where the drop-off in terms of maybe, well, quality, I think Calvin Phillips is a brilliant player, but even if, like, if you don't rate Maguire, you can look past the quality and look at the experience of the players that are in afterwards. The play, Jude Bellingham is a brilliant player, but how many England caps has, has he made a start for England in a, in a major tournament yet? I, I don't even know. I know he's, he's come on probably. James Ward-Prowse, again, I think is a great player, but would you back him in a, like Jim said, that first knockout, you could be playing Germany again. Would you want him in, in, in midfield? You know, we don't know. Whereas Calvin Phillips, we've seen him. So I, I do think that I'd be would be a massive miss, but I think he's in that Maguire category of we're a little bit thin on the ground there and, and they've never let Southgate or England down, so he's got to be in the squad. Obviously, this isn't the final squad and there are people that are almost auditioning for the World Cup, eh? talking about like your Bowens and your Ward-Prowses because, like we said, there's no guarantee they're even going to go. So, obviously, the midfield is so, so, so thin and hopefully... Phillips makes it, but to argue your stamp, uh, sorry, Stan, to argue your point uh, with Bellingham, I hope it's the case of if you're good enough, you'll just play. It don't, it don't matter how much you've done because he's played in the Champions League when he was like 17, I think, and Pep was saying like, how old's he basically to say he's an unreal player? Um, I think he walks into that team genuinely. I don't, even when Phillips. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think I said to Stan, maybe I think. You might expect a lot of change at the England team, but I think the only change that Southgate will make from like his final team that he played against Italy will be Bellingham and Sir Phillips. Um, he's kind of done it in a few of the friendlies recently, and obviously with Paul Phillips, by the amount of minutes Phillips hasn't been playing this season, and then Bellingham has been playing at like every single game in Champions Leagues as well. He looked good against City um, last week as well. Um, yeah, I think that could be the only change. Um, yeah, I wonder. Do you do you think will I'm just looking at the squad now and it's like uh, there's not even not much point us doing that debate on the formation because you literally look at it there's fucking a fuckload of defenders hardly any centre midfielders and that loads of wide forwards it's that's, so obvious what England are going to do yeah that, that's what I meant before he's, he's going to go 3-4-3 uh, three, three, isn't he yeah but who who do we think because obviously Nick um, sorry what's his name Pickford is injured so we, we presume he replaces one of Henderson Pope or Ramsdale um, England's Squad is 28 man right at the minute. Two need to drop out for the World Cup, excluding one of them keepers, obviously, because that's just going to be a straight swap of Pickford. Yeah. Who do we think drops out there? Do you think it's going to. He's, at the minute, he's taking James Walker and Trent and Trippier. Do you think one of them comes out, or do you think yeah. one of, like your Bowen or your Tony don't make the actual final squad? I, I think uh, he. Yeah. You think he takes Mings again? I hope not. He's shit. I, well, I, think, I, th- I think I think he does. To be honest, I do think he takes Tyrone. Oh, 
He's not taken Mings. I'm, I'm wrong there. Yeah, I was in. He's within the scout though for the tourney. He's taken Cody, Dyer, Gahey, Maguire, Tamori as his centre backs. As a well, oh. Walker and obviously James can play there as well. Stones, yeah, so Stone, Stones will be in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're probably dropping two of those centre halves to be fair, because you're probably going Walker, Stones, Maguire. You only really need Cody and another one, don't you? So you think he's going to take? Trippier, James, Walker, Trent. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if if uh, he, he doesn't take one of Shaw or Chilwell and uses Trippier as a left wing back again, to be honest. I think that's more likely than Trippier getting dropped anyway. Uh, but I think it sounds stupid this, but um, and Liverpool fans aren't going to like it. But I think the the one most at risk there is Trent because Walker's going to start right centre back. He loves Kieran Trippier and fair play because he, he again he's a player that's never let England or Southgate down. He can play right wing back. We saw him play left back against Croatia in that opening game. He loves Reese James. He starts Reese James. He's been in most of the squads where it's 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 always been Trent that's been in and out. Where does he fit? Can he play right wing back or? is he going to end up slotting into a centre-mid position, which is just not going to happen, is it? So I think the one at risk there is, is Trent, which Liverpool fans won't like, but it's, it is it is how it is. Yeah, I guess, what, like you say, Walker and Trippi are doing right, and Trent, you can't, you know, yeah, Walker should be doing right, and Reese James, you can kind of just envision how easy it would be to just put him in the car walker role. I mean, that's what he does for Chelsea when they come up against the fast track, right, you see what they did against Son. And he's, He's played right wing back for Chelsea in a five as well. Yeah, so he exactly. knows how to do it. Yeah, it's pretty like, easy for right James to go there. in. He literally can slot in any way you need him to. Even like I said, even if you want to get Trent in, he's he's played right centre back in the Champions League final. He's not alien to that, and he outmarked Vinicius at the Bernabeu and and at Stamford Bridge. And obviously, he's no slouch. Reece James is definitely starting for him. Not a, yeah, out in my mind. All those saying that, I'm thinking, didn't he took? Um, Somebody got injured very close to the start of that game and I remember thinking, oh, he's got to take that Croatia game and I remember thinking he's got to take Ward Browse here and he ended up putting Ben White in it. I can't remember who it was. So maybe he's got it in his mind that he wants to take one of those, Gerhi or Tamori, just to have them in the squad, even if they don't play him in it, just to do a Ben White and get him in that squad and, and you know, used to that atmosphere for if they do come for him in a few years. So one of, one of those centre-backs might survive and it might be one centre-back that goes out and one of the uh, the multiple right right back, right wing backs that we have. Yeah, I've, I've got a feeling he dropped from the centre-backs. Yeah, like, like we've said like a few times, James and War and play there. And I just feel like he's dropping Tony. Um, I feel like he's not going to... Who, who else is up front? Who else would um, be up front? So, they, so they've got... But they could drop Tony or Bowen, I'm thinking. So they, they, they got Abraham, they got Kane, Grealish, Foden, Saka, Sterling oh, yeah. at the minute. Yeah, um, no, he won't. He won't, yeah, that's true. He won't, yeah. He'll only take Kane and one other recognised number nine, I think. Because he only took yeah. Calvert-Lewin last time, didn't he? Which, yeah, and and, to be, and and then looking from the players that haven't been called up, if Sancho, Rashford, Madison, they haven't been called up now, then yeah, I, if I don't, they continue, if I don't they keep see going, much change. I don't, yeah, but I don't see, it's like what, there's like seven games before the tournament. I think um, Sancho goes. I don't think any of them, I, I think they'd have to be in unbelievable form for him to take him. I, I, I think these friendlies are just, like I say, I, I warm up. Like I don't see why you wouldn't take him now if you're not going to take I, him. Well, I think Rashford would have gone over Bowen, but I think Rashford's injured, isn't he? So 
he loves Rashford, doesn't he, Southgate? So I can't see him not yeah, taking Rashford. Right, right. That could happen. But like you say, if you've got a fully fit Madison and Sancho now and you've got players in that front line who are not in great, great form, why are they not going to these friendlies? I don't see anything changing much. I think the issue that Madison's got is, like I say, we're going to be playing that flat two in the middle and he's not going to go in there and he's just not going to get a chance in that front three or past. You know, Kane and Sterling are nailed on. It's that third man that's up for debate, really, isn't it? Depending on injury, form, opposition, whatever. So, and Madison, you know, no, no matter, he's a great player, but the the, the system that we play just doesn't fit him, unfortunately, yeah. for him. You, you feel like Kane, Sterling, and then Foden or Saka, really, if he has to name his team. Yeah, I'm the, the one that he likes. It was Mount, yeah, amazing. Mount Mount as well. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I think that'll be it. But I mean, it's like we've said, look at the names that are left out, never mind the names that are in it. I mean, you know, you've got some great names there, but they're all in the same areas of the pitch, which is, is England's problem, which is why you, you're seeing players that maybe don't warrant it playing, playing uh, in the squad. So there we go. Okay, listeners, it is that time of the podcast. It is indeed bet of the week. So get your betting apps ready and listen to this so you can treat your pig other half while winter is coming, as Jon Snow would say. You can treat her to that new Canada goose or or him. Long pause. Anyway, bet of the week. So starting off with Germany versus Hungary, we're going to go Germany to nil in that one. Moving on to Italy versus England, I'm going to go for the three lines to win and under 2.5 goals in that one. Then moving on to Nations League B, Bosnia versus Montenegro. And in this one, we're just going to go straight Bosnia win. Then moving to Nation League C, we are going Bulgaria to beat Gibraltar. And then last but not least, the big one on this Acker. Estonia to do Malta at home. So just to recap the bet of the week, Germany to beat Hungary to nil. Italy versus England. We're going to go England to win an under 2.5. Bosnia just to beat Montenegro. And then Bulgaria to beat Gibraltar. And then last but not least, Estonia to beat Malta. And Stan, what can the listeners do with that? They can shove it up the tight little hackers. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, listeners. Um, since we've been gone, there has been a swing on the managerial roundabout. It has spawned. Um, Lou, speak us through what has happened at Chelsea. Big Dick Todd has had enough, hasn't he? He's seen what's happening. I think he, I think it was the Champions League game when it, we drew, he drew to, I don't even know who it was now, was it Leipzig? Someone. You lot, you lose. We took a big L. Zagreb. Away at Dinamo Zagreb. Oh, without, yeah, of course, of course. But um, I can't I keep up with the game. Before that, apparently we sat the night before. Oh, well, that's probably why you lost then. <laughs> that's mean that's I don't play. proper Chelsea, that. Sack them the um, night before an opening Champions League game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, two cool. He has spent a lot of money this summer, had a lot of ingoings, a lot of outgoings. But he's not going to reap the rewards. Um... One of the signings, Mark Cucurella, is reunited with his old boss, Graham Potter. Cook, how do we feel about this? Um, how do I feel about this managerial change? To be honest with you, I'm, I am gutted still because I, I do love Tuchel and I'm very grateful for everything he's given to the football club and everything he's done for the football club. And 
I feel like it was premature, but after the sacking, reading the stuff that the Athletic have been putting out and stuff that Fabrizio has been saying on his videos and it thinks like, oh, well, obviously this was going to happen. They, they were putting on everything by all accounts. Todd wanted Ronaldo and Tuchel were saying no, rightly so in my opinion. And they were just constantly putting ideas on stuff. But it's going to happen when we don't have a sporting director. Tuchel's doing more than he's paid to do. Honestly, out of everybody in our squad, staff included, obviously, Tuchel handled us with the embargoes and everything easily the best out of everyone. He was he never slagged us off, nothing. He was very professional throughout and I'll forever be grateful for him, him steering us through that very hard, um, very hard times, definitely. And I am gutted, but the show must go on, unfortunately, and that's that's football and... Graham Potter's in, a, a manager I do really like. I, I definitely thought he'd be managing Spurs, United or England definitely before he um, he got to Chelsea. I thought it was an appointment that I really wanted, but I never thought it was really realistic. But I'm very happy about it, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a massive jump for a manager that we all rate. And I think, I think everyone likes Potter's only really from what he's done at Brighton. But Stan, is it? Is it the right move for Potter at the right time? Or do you think it's maybe too big of a step too early? And do you think maybe the wrong club or the right club? What are your thoughts on this move for Potter? Um <laughs> it's a well, it's the wrong time in terms of we're in September and for some reason he's a he's moving club already. Um but there we go. I'm sure he would have probably preferred to have uh, been in charge in June and, and had the summer and known that he was going to be there at the start of the season. Um, no, I think he's great. I don't think it's too early for him at all. I did see a few people saying, oh, he probably needed a, a West Ham or, or like, like even a Leicester job before this. But I, I don't agree with that. I think I think Brighton have, have done really well. He's worked wonders and he's taken them as far as he can, I think. Um, maybe, you know, he, he would have liked to have finished the season to see how far he could have got them, maybe push for those European places. But... Um, I don't think he's going to mind too much. Uh, from a Chelsea point of view, I think it was a no-brainer, really. Uh, I think he was the best manager available in terms of what they need to do. Um, but from Potter's point of view, it's whether Chelsea allow him to do it, um, which, I mean, history shows that they haven't. And, and you know, I, I would put my money on them not doing. I think the difficulty that Potter's got is, is the fact that... Um, He's not a sexy name, which which is going to be an issue, I think, in terms of the amount of time that he gets. Um, but he needs to rebuild Chelsea, and Chelsea are a club where even during rebuilds they expect certain things, and that is still trophies, uh, which is you know you could say is a good way to look at things, but it's probably not a realistic way to look at things, which is why they've averaged you know almost a manager every two years since Abramovich, uh, you know, took them over and you know twenty years ago or whatever it is now. So um, I think he'll need time. He needs to rebuild, and because he's such a system manager, which we know he is, uh, very fluid in terms of you know the formations that he can play, but he likes to 
certain player and he likes all of his players buying in. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to walk into this Chelsea team and pick up the players, which is a great group of players. I'm not arguing that, but there's a difference between having a good group of players and having the right group of players. And I think Graham Potter needs everybody to buy in, which is what I said before, not being a big name. That might be a bit of an issue at the beginning. It depends, you know, how much the players respect him and, and things like that, which they should do. But unfortunately, we all know that professional footballers don't, don't always respect who they should and behave how they should. Um, and, and it, you know, he's, he's going to need time. As simple as that, he's going to need time to bring his own player in, which I'm sure he will be given the money to. But the issue at Chelsea has never been the money. It's, it's always been the time. So from Chelsea's point of view, take a risk on Potter. Brilliant. It shows you going in a different direction. Um but, you know, they need to, uh, you know, actions speak louder than words, as the old adage goes. Yeah, and Potter's showing uh, a lot of ambition there, taking that move. Maybe it's one of them jobs that has come available to him. And as much as he respects Brian and enjoys his time there, um, I know he said something like, I hope they forgive me for leaving. So obviously, yes, fond memories there. But maybe it's one of them jobs that's come available and he's like, I can't turn this down. I mean, this is what I want to do ultimately. I want to manage in the Champions League. I want to win trophies, I want to win titles. Chelsea a team that do that year on year. Cook, who do you think in the current Chelsea squad, um, who may be out of favour now, maybe not be out of favour, but will benefit most from um, Potter coming in, maybe? Ooh. Um, I'm not really sure about anyone out of favour because I feel like the, the players who were playing should play. It's just about getting a tune from them. I, I, I think... It's very hard to motivate players like Hakim Ziyech, who openly doesn't want to be at the football club and has openly tried to pursue, uh, obviously, leaving the football club. Same with Christian Pulisic. Um, not that long ago, every uh, after the uh, Leeds game, every player clapped the fans off and he just walked straight down the tunnel after speaking to um, Tyler Adams and Aronson. So I just think that those players don't want to be there, therefore there's no competitions for places and that's what Tuchel struggled with near the end. But I think you'll see a tune now out of Mason Mount, who it probably did get a bit stale with Tuchel. You'll definitely see a tune out of Aubameyang. He looked sharp in, in the, the game that we saw against Salzburg and I, th I thought there's there's something here and obviously it's not a shit team and everyone's going to cost something there. Look how much money you spent. But like Stan said, money's never been the problem. It's always been about the day in, day out on the training ground and having that time. And Potter's contract says that he's going to get time. It's a five-year deal and we're paying him the big bucks. He's getting like 60 million over that. So the contract says hopefully we'll give him time. But again, money's never been a problem. So even if he doesn't get the time, he, he still will be paid off, obviously. But it's Todd's guy. Again, having seen the evidence, it, it's obvious that it was never going to last. So Potter's Todd's guy. We'll see how it goes and hopefully we'll get this sporting director in from Salzburg very quickly and then we can identify a, a philosophy and the way we want to go forward because me and Stan was talking about it early on today, Jim. I don't know if you saw it, but Todd's openly expressed that he wants to buy more football clubs and emulate the City Football Group model. Imitation is the... Um the nicest form, sincerest form of flattery of whatever they're saying. Lads, you're killing the game. We can't, um, we can't doubt that. If Chelsea yeah. little MLS club, don't tell me I won't <laughs> love that. The Chelsea and City derby played in Colorado. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and Brighton, they've obviously got a new manager as well. They've lost Potter's going to be an hard man to replace, but they have replaced him. 
with um, former Shotside, the next manager, um, another young manager, um, Roberto Di Zerbi, managed Sassuolo. Uh, I think he's one of them where the classic Italian managers where he starts in the Serie D or Serie C and works his way up. I think he managed Benevento. I think he managed Milan for like a very short period. Um, I think what they can expect is kind of more of the same. Like, Quarter played a lot of entertaining, like sometimes high scoring football, sometimes he missed a lot of chances. Deserve his teams tend to concede a lot of goals, but score a lot of goals as well. Um, unfortunately, his time at Donetsk was cut short because of the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, so he had to leave there. And he's one of them managers that kind of get the old heads in Serie C, Serie C, Serie A turning, thinking, um, wait, what's this passing out from the back? Malarkey, what's this possession football? We're used to just defending and Catanaccio and whatever it's called and all, all, all the all ones looking at it thinking who's this guy and yeah so I think Brighton are in for even though it's going to be a, a huge miss because Portland's has such an amazing job and Brighton are such a like an established Premier League club now um, they've got an excited manager there and hopefully he doesn't ruin what Potter has built upon Hello, welcome back. We're going to do something a little bit different now. It's the first break in the 2022-23 Premier League season. And we're going to look at any overachievers, any underachievers. So we've all picked a team. We'll uh, we'll let you know whether it's an underachiever or an overachiever when we get to them. Uh, but we're just going to do a little bit of a... A little bit of a grading, a little bit of an assessment, a little bit of a uh, report card for those over the uh, pond that uh, are listening. Um, so, yeah... Jim, I'm going to come straight to you. What yes, team are you picking? And are they overachieving or underachieving? Oh, I am picking an overachieving bunch of Craven Cottages. Um, Fulham FC this season under Marco Silva find themselves in the top half of the league. I believe the six, aren't they? The top half of the get the six. And you know what? They've had a tough start as well when you look at the fixtures. Um, Obviously, played Liverpool and Arsenal, and they've got some nice fixtures coming up as well before the um, World Cup. So, a team that we thought, I will, you know, I even said that this team's going to go down, um, or I, I thought all three of them were going to go down anyway. But I thought they'd be right down there, and they still might be right down there because it's still early, very early days, not played ten games yet. But they look really good. They look hungry. They look tough to actually beat, which is very unlike Fulham from what I remember them two years ago. Um, Michael Silva seems to have drilled a bit of a fight into this team. They've got made some clever signings. Um, yeah, Paulinho being probably their best signing, I would say, in the middle of the pitch. Him and Reed felt like they could just kick anyone. And you know what? It's working at the minute. They're being very physical. Um, we've seen it work against Liverpool. It almost worked against Arsenal. We thought they actually hit one of the end. Mitrovic there, who's just been just unbelievable this season. He's just squashed any doubts whether he can step up from the championship to the Premier League. Obviously, he was one of these players before. He's in that category of not good enough for the Prem, but just dominates the championship, kind of the, the Timo Pukki, Dwight Gale category. But he's just just shot past, straight past that in my eyes. Um, I think last time when they beat Nottingham Forest, which, again, a really good win away, and they come back from a goal down to win 3-1, pretty emphatically in the second half. Even though he didn't score, he was very much involved in all the goals. I have a little bit concerned from a centre back, pretty thin, and the players they've got there. I'm not sure of the Premier League quality, but at the minute it's working. And 
they did not drag themselves into that relegation race yet. And if they can accumulate as much points as they can now while they're in good form, then maybe come your March, April, May, maybe they're not a team we're thinking about getting relegated. And that is massively overachieving, I think. Lovely. <clears throat> Cookie, we'll come to you. Are you overachieving? Are you underachieving? And who have you gone with? I mean, this team definitely are underachieving this season. And I think the fact that they've been so successful the past four seasons, you could say, is to the detriment at the moment because we've said it in the past, they're at the end of the cycle. The team is Liverpool, um, if you haven't guessed already. The, the loss of Sadio Mane was, it was catastrophic for him because he's such a big player for Liverpool and uh, sorry he was such a big player and um, I think that there was an element from some Liverpool fans of Luis Diaz being the shiny new saw in him turning up in some of the games and showing a glimpse of this is what you've got to look forward to you can, you can tell the struggle in the Drew with Everton anytime Liverpool don't beat Everton the defo in a row and the Champions League result against Napoli was a massive shot to their to the hopes of even progressing out of the group to an extent because 4-1 loss obviously they rectified it in the second game but hopefully for Liverpool fans they can get through and there's definitely a possibility with Ajax being as good as they are in Europe that Liverpool could be playing Europa League football as well as missing out on the top four and that would be catastrophic for them and it would be completely toxic at Anfield going from the high highs obviously of winning a Premier League and a European Cup and the World Club Cup etc etc so Liverpool could be potentially playing after the World Cup Europa League football and they definitely could be outside the top four and that is worst case scenario but it's definitely a realistic possibility if they don't sort it out and there's rumours that Klopp already isn't happy about Artur from Juventus, apparently he's really not happy with him and he's just not up to scratch. And if Liverpool get a few injuries in that midfield, it genuinely could be curtains before the World Cup for them in terms of Europe. And obviously the league's never over, but they've got so much quality going forward, but it's the midfield that it's so thin. And that on deadline day was an absolute desperation move and Scousers will hope that it's worked, but I personally don't think it has worked. And I think that, this could be the beginning of the end for Klopp and Liverpool as we know it, lads. Very dramatic. <laughs> Lovely. Very dramatic. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, West Ham, underachievers. Uh, Moise's West Ham, which, yes, David, I am allowed to call you that, despite having to go with that journalist, because I watched you manage my team for seven months. Um so, yeah, West Ham, they've only scored three goals in the Premier League this season in seven games. Uh, and those three came consecutively. Didn't score for the first three. Scored in the next three. Only one goal in each, although I'm sure uh, Maxwell Corney and uh, West Ham fans will argue the toss on that one, whether they should have had an equaliser against Chelsea Cook to make it 2-2. But there we are. Um, yeah, they're underachieving. They're 18th in the league. Like I say, they've, they've scored three. They've conceded seven. They've looked pretty toothless. I mean, that, that Everton game at the weekend pretty much summed them up. Uh, it's not the West Ham side that we've we've seen over the last two, two three seasons, to be honest. I mean, they've normally got 
loads of creative flair, Fornells, Ben Rama, Jared Bowen, who we've already spoken about. And Mikel Antonio tends to start the seasons really, really well, and he just hasn't so far this season. And that's been, it's been telling. Um, I don't know whether it's gone stale or not, but I, I do think, again, it's quite telling that Moyes has got them into, I think he touched the Europa positions and he got there, uh, put all their eggs in one basket, got knocked out in the semis, I think it was. And then they were a goal last season away from from retaining those Europa places, should we say. But unfortunately for, uh, for them, ended up in the Conference League. So whether it's just one of those cases, like I saw at United, where... Moise is very good. Like when he took over, it was a bit like nobody expected him to do anything. He built a good squad backs against the wall underdogs. And now they're a team that people are maybe expecting to get the Europa League positions or maybe even push on and, you know, get to the latter stages of, of those competitions. He just can't do it. Um, we'll see whether that's the case, but, um, you know, there's a long, a long, Long road left, but similar to what Cook was saying about Tuchel, actually, with the options that Tuchel didn't have in terms of form and things like that. I think Skamaka has not done a lot. They spent a decent amount of money on him. And, and I know Paqueta, or Paqueta, however you pronounce his name, has only, I think he's only made a couple of starts, but again, he, he looked way off it as well. And, and we've seen West Ham spend big on players before, like Felipe Anderson and, and Sebastian Haller come to mind that just didn't work. Uh, I know they had a period of of spending really well, but I'm sure there'll be a few pessimistic West Ham fans will be a little bit worried that Skamaka and, and Pakita could uh, could end up going that way. But um, they've got a good squad. I think they've built a really good squad. Uh, they were saying on the weekend before that Everton game that it's probably the best West Ham squad in, in recent years, maybe even in the Premier League history um, that, that Moyes has built. So he, he deserves time. I think he'll get time. Um, I think the players will come good because, like I say, they've got some good players there that we've seen over the last two or three years. The only issue they've got is goal scoring. I mean, they've conceded seven in six, which isn't really the worst in the world. It's probably, you know, one of those things, but it's it's the goals drying up, the creativity drying up that's an issue for them. But they'll probably find the right balance. And uh, like I say, I just hope they give David Moyes time because it's his squad that he's built. I hope they don't jump the gun. Hello, and it is that time of the podcast. Uh, if you've scrolled all the way through just to this bit, then I don't blame you because it is the best bit. But seriously, go back and listen to everything we've just said for the last 45 minutes, please, and give us a five-star rating and a lovely review. It is 11 and as you all know by now, and if you haven't already, I will explain it. Obviously, there's, it's linked into something that we've maybe spoken about uh, or, or you know, linked to something... Premier League anyway, at least. Um, and yeah, there, there will be a team of 11 players, and see 11 uh, Sometimes one player is given to you. Uh, and I will give it to you this time. We haven't spoken about it, but uh, it was one of the games from this weekend. And it is related, not necessarily to anything we've spoken about, but it's related to, to Jim and Cook in a sense, that Jim's team beat this side of the weekend and he is a striker that Lewis Kelly has known and loved over the last few years for Chelsea and it is Diego Costa he didn't end up getting in the squad but he is back in the Premier League uh, and yeah the last time he played in the Premier League was obviously for Chelsea but the actual last time he played for Chelsea was the end of the 2016-2017 season and it was against Arsenal in the FA Cup final that Chelsea unfortunately lost on Cook's uh, perspective Diego Costa played and scored but what was the Arsenal team that day? Oh, wow. 
I was going to go Chelsea. You can't expect the Chelsea team, though. You can't expect the Chelsea team. Come on, you can't. Rubbing, man. And you both know Arsenal. It <laughs> evens out the uh, evens out the field a little bit there, I think. Um, so, Jim, I'll let you go first since Cook obviously watched that and will remember that more than either of us. Yeah, uh, I cannot remember it happening. I get how many when we lose those, Stan. So, well, that's true. I, I do that. I think most football fans do that. But you did watch the game. I don't remember watching it at all. I don't remember it existing. So, um, both got sent off. Oh, was that the one? No, it was Victor Moses. This says apparently. I know Kovacic did get sent off the other year, didn't he? Well, that's a different FA Cup final loss. Different, one. <laughs> Ramsey, Ramsey, and Sanchez. I think. I think it said before, and then Costa scored for Chelsea. Lovely. So there's two, Jim. Ramsey and Sanchez. <laughs> that's what I say. Can I have them? Um, all right. Okay. So you can give them two. I'll, I'll, I'll give you them two because that gives you the era of the Arsenal team. But so there's eight players, no nine players left. I'm lying. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll go with. I'll go with 2016. Let's say Bellerin still there. He did. He started. Yeah. Started in a, in a midfield. Four across the midfield, he played three four three here Arsenal to uh, I'm guessing to match 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 Chelsea at the time. Okay. So he played right mid slash right wing back. They've got him down as right mid, but there we go. Cookie, back to you. Yeah, so we're gonna slightly move up the pitch. I'm gonna say Santi Cazorla. <sighs> Santi Cazorla did not play. Oh. Heavy. I think he might have just left. Heavy blunder. So, Jim, there we go. We got Ramsey and Sanchez, the goal scorers, and okay. Hector Bellerin. So, so we've got three centre halves. They've had some shittens. So, let's name yeah. one of them shittens. Um, Scott Ran Mustafi. He's pretty fucking shit. <laughs> he was shit, but he didn't start this game, <laughs> which might be why they won. Fuck <laughs> you back to you. I have given you two. I thought you'd fly after that, but there we go. Fuck you back to you. Yeah, sticking with shit centre halves. I'm going to go with Lauren Koscielny. Lauren Koscielny didn't one. start. He was a good one. Come on. Maybe, maybe it might have been good that I uh, I gave you those names half accidentally. Yeah, it might have been. Jim, back to you. Okay. More shit centre arts. <laughs> um, they had another one. That kind of reminds me of... No, he didn't play for Arsenal, did he? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you thinking? They tried. Um, I'll, I'll let you off if you never played for Arsenal. Come on. No, I don't think... Harvard didn't play for Arsenal, did he? No, no, he didn't. But no, there's didn't. another German lad I'm thinking of. Like, yeah, he's right Yeah, and I can't think of what his name is. I think um, you've given Cook an idea, so you best uh, get yeah. it. I think Cook might steal it. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to get that one. Um, go somewhere else then. Don't think of the centre-backs. All right, OK, let's go for a legend in um, Olivier Giroud. He's a winner. Definitely. He didn't. He didn't play. Start. Bench. He might be. I've only got the starting eleven here. I've only screenshotted the starting eleven. So so far, I'll give you an idea of what you've got left. Yeah, give us. You've got mappers out. So you've got the keeper. You need to get the three centre halves. You've got Bellerin and Ramsey. So you need your other centre mid and your left wing back, and you need two of your front three with Alexis Sanchez. Hmm. Left wing back will have been Monreal. He wasn't left wing back, Cook, but he did start. Yeah, so I'll give you it. Half he will have been. He started at left centre back, he did, yeah. in a three. 
All right, okay, I'll go with the. Uh, hang on, I'm going too far back here. He that that's six years ago, that. He's not been there six years. Right. That's the... Scrap that. Scrap what I just said then. We're <laughs> going to go with... Have Number. we said... Have we said Ozil? No. You haven't. He started right wing. Meza Ozil and Sanchez on the wings for Arsenal in that 3-4-3. Three, three. Mm. Hey, there's his white one, the FA Cup. Cookie. The keeper... I want to say was Petacek. It wasn't Petacek. <laughs> Jim, right, back I'm, to you. I'm going to go Cedric of the Park and I'm going to go with Granite Shaka. Granite Shaka started. The, oh no, one of oh. uh, two players that are still in the Arsenal squad Ooh. that started Ooh, this game. Fantastic. Really? Cookie, back to you. Whilst Jim, whilst Jim ponders that, back to, over to you, Cookie. I want to say El Nene. No, you've got your two centre mids. You've got Ramsey and Shaka, oh. so there's no other centre mids. I thought he would have. I thought he would have played wide. No, no. So you've still got, like I say, keeper two two centre halves. You've got your left wing back and your striker. Jim. Um, okay, I will go for. See, there's so many shit centre halves. I'm going to go back into this area and go with Socrates. He didn't start, Jim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm running out of shit centre backs. Come on, it's only it's only five years ago. This 2017 FA Cup final. I know, but they've had so many shit players. They have, they have. It's, it's, it's been quite a turnover, like I say. Only two players that started this game are still in the Arsenal squad five years later. Was it, it was Madrid, Emery? No. Uh, yeah, it will have been. will have been. Yeah, 2017, yeah. You still need a front man? You still need the striker. He was flanked by Ozil and Sanchez. I'm going to go for Aubameyang. It wasn't Alba. When did when the fuck did he come in then? I think he signed the following January. I think. Yeah, that's that's I was. I joined halfway through that season. Well, if it's January, January, I think I know who it was. January. It was January signing, wasn't it? I remember. I think I know who it is now. Right, Jim, I'll, I'll leave that to you. I'm going to go with what I got said earlier about the left wing back. Because man, I don't go. Uh, Classy net. It's not say I Klasinac either. No. Oh, bastard. <laughs> I, you know what? I did think this might stump you a bit because of the turnover of Arsenal players in the last like 10 years, but I, I didn't think it would take this long. Cookie, back to you. Yeah, the front man I had in mind was Lacazette. It's not Lacazette. Oh, my days. Who is it? All right, it's the front man, Danny Welbeck. It is Danny Welbeck. Oh, Danny Jim, Lai. Jim Lai is actually clutch. That guy. Right, I'll try and, I'll try and have talk many more you. people. Is it Kieran Gibbs? It isn't, no. It's not oh. Kieran Gibbs. Jim, um, you've still right. not got the keep, keeper. Right, okay. Do you know what? I was going to go for the keeper right now, so I'm oh, just going to go with um, Fabianski. It's not Fabianski. So you've still got your keeper. You've got two of your back three, and I need the left oh. wing back now, please. I so now. You're very defensively... So you, well, you're all in the defence. Left wing back, two centre-backs, and a keeper. Uh, I want to say... Oxlade Chamberlain if we've not already had him yes he did left wing back was Alex Oxlade Chamberlain because I remember having a gripe about that because he wasn't <laughs> signed for us 
as a wing back, but played against us in this game. Ah, and then see? We opted, so then, we opted to keep for Victor. And the there's rest that knowledge. That's so why Jim went first. That's why Jim went first. There is that knowledge there. I'm sure he'll be gutted going to Liverpool and winning all that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But not Jim. Playing. Jim, goalkeeper, two centre halves. You haven't you haven't named the captain here either. The guy you named the captain. I thought it was. Oh, a of course, Per Mertesacker. Per Mertesacker. There you was go. It, was he the captain? That's who I thought you were on about before, Jim, with Howard. Is no, uh, they've had another one. That isn't Mertesacker. That isn't Mustafa from the German league. It was it like a year or something? Yeah, I don't know who it is. These are four you said before. Pastapadopoulos. Uh, well, maybe I'm just thinking there's more than what there is. But Lad, if I'd bear, <laughs> Lad, I'll, I'll, I'll have a Google later. Lad. Cookie, it now rolls down to the right centre-back and the goalkeeper. You still haven't got the goalkeeper. I want to say, as the centre-half, I want to say the Verminator was still there. Thomas he wasn't. Oh. He was not there. <laughs> oh, right. I'm just going right, to you know go with the keeper being Burnt Leno. It's not Burnt Leno. Cookie? <laughs> Have we had Martinez? No, Emmy Martinez. It's not Martinez. Jim? Have <laughs> 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 not had any more keepers? We've named all the keepers. We have never David named him. Was it David Seaman? <laughs> was it Jens <laughs> Lehmann? <laughs> His first name was David. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Ospina? David Ospina. There <laughs> we go. There we go. And Cookie, yeah, can you get the centre-half? Can you get the centre-half that's still in the Arsenal squad that's recently <laughs> visited the Belgravia centre? Oh, it's got to <gasps> be Paul Holding. Oh. Rob Holding. <laughs> Rob Holding. There we go, right. So I'll run through it. Rob Holding. So <laughs> the FA Cup team, the FA Cup winning Arsenal side of 2017, David Ospina, Rob Holding, Mertesacker and Monreal. Bellerin, Ramsey, Shaka, Oxley, Chamberlain, Ozil, Welbeck, and Alexis Sanchez. There we go. David, David Costa, Diego Costa's last game for Chelsea, but he's back and he's ready to take on the Premier League with the Wolves. Okay, listeners, unfortunately, it is that time of the week, the time where we do have to love you and leave you. But it's also the time where we can tell you where to find us when we're not making pods. So if you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, you can do so by using the handle Cookie Podcast One. That's Cookie Podcast followed by the number one. You can also get us on YouTube in clip format at just need to type in Cookie Podcast Clips. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Link is in the bio of the socials. And we are now on TikTok. You can get us on TikTok by using the handle at the Cookie Podcast. That's T H E Cookie Podcast on TikTok. Give us a five star review and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts for us. It helps the pod grow and it helps get more eyes on the podcast, which gives us more Sean Jay to provide better pods for you guys. So Defo, give us a rating. It's been episode 152 of the pod, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. See you later.